Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 40. Luke chapter 12, 32 through 40. Jesus said, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the, t the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Let us pray. For the victory in Jesus that we receive by faith, we are grateful. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature and of our lives and of our world, we are grateful for your reign, for your love, for your peace, for your life, death, and resurrection. Now we pray that you would walk among us by your spirit, for we ask it in your name. Amen. It's one of the most frequently spoken uh, commands in all of scripture, be not afraid, be not afraid. Usually it happens at some type of angelic uh, visitation. A person is overwhelmed by the presence of God and naturally, uh, understandably, they respond with, with fear, with fright, and the angel says, be not afraid. Think of Mary when the angel appears to her to tell her that she will be with child, and that child will be the son of the Most High and will bring glory to God, salvation to the world. She's perplexed. She's afraid. The angel says, be not afraid. And so when Jesus says these words at the beginning of our passage, they are familiar to us, be not afraid, but he uses them in a different context. This is not a situation of people being overwhelmed by the presence of God. They are overwhelmed without realizing it by their own trust in their possessions. Be not afraid, he says, for uh, little flock, it is the, your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, verse 20, 32. In the previous verse, he's instructed us to strive for the kingdom, to seek first the kingdom, and all of these things will be added unto you. What are these things? These are the material things by which we must live. This is in the middle, this be not afraid command from Jesus. It's in the middle of a long conversation, a long time of instruction and stories and parables and words 
about generosity, about trusting in God rather than the things that we own. Last week, we saw the parable of the rich man who had an abundant harvest in his present barns, couldn't store it all. So he thinks to himself, he's going to tear down those barns, build bigger, bigger ones, then he will be able to relax eat, drink, and be merry for the rest of his days. And Jesus speaks against this way of living with possessions in the parable. And then he goes right into in the passage in between uh, this week's passage and last week's. He speaks about uh, seeking first the kingdom of God, not striving for what we will wear or what we will eat. Uh, consider the ravens, consider the lilies of the field. God cares for them and, and they do not live in anxious toil for their provision. Uh, Jesus is talking about possessions in this entire segment of, of the gospel of Luke. And it's in this context that we hear the words be not afraid. And then immediately following this command, he says, sell your possessions, give alms. What's the connection between fear then and generosity? Well, if you're like me, of course, if you're like most of us, I think there is a sense of fear when it comes to our possessions. There's a fear of not having enough. There's a fear of not being able to make it through when times are tough. There's a fear of not being able to do what we want to do, to do what we dream of doing. And so often when it comes to living generous lives and giving to the work of the Lord and giving to others, it is fear that keeps us back. It is fear that, that causes us to take refuge in that which we can own and control Instead of putting our trust in God, again, hear the words from verse 31, right before this passage, Jesus said, instead, seek the kingdom, strive for his kingdom, and these things, they will be given to you as well. God will take care of you. God will be with us. We can trust God with what we have received to be good stewards of these things that we might contribute to the work of God in this place and around the world. Trust, trust, trust God with our possessions. And in so doing, we're seeking the kingdom and we're able to be generous and unafraid. A single mother with several children, very little income. Uh, it was brought to the attention of the deacons in her church that she was tithing and even going beyond the tithe at times. And out of concern, out of sincere compassion, the deacons thought, well, she, at least at this point in her life, she shouldn't feel like she needs to, to give, to tithe, to give to the church. And so they gathered together and they went to visit her and they explained to her that they understood her situation and, and she did not need to give, at least at this moment in her life. And she began to cry and through her tears, she said, oh no, please do not say this to me, do not do this to me because you're wanting to take away one of the few things that brings me deep joy at this time in my life. She was not afraid. She was not afraid to trust in God for her material well-being and for her family. Be not afraid, Jesus says, for it is the good pleasure of your father to give you the kingdom. 
what is the kingdom when he speaks of that he speaks of in this passage? What is the kingdom that we strive for, that we seek, that we work for? The kingdom is that reign, that way of being, that place where all is as God desires it to be. And through Jesus, we enter into kingdom living. We enter into the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, trust God. It is God's desire, it is the pleasure, the good pleasure of the Father to give you these things, to give you life as it was meant to be. Sometimes that life gets to be experienced in full in this life, but as Jesus says in the next couple of verses, it is a promise that is guaranteed for the life to come. He says, after selling your possessions and give alms, he says, make purses for yourselves, verse 33, that do not wear out. Are unfail an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's look at heaven in two different ways. First, heaven is that place where when we die, spiritually we go to be in the presence of God. And Jesus is speaking of living now in such a way that there is in, in ways that are hard to define, hard to spell out. The scriptures just give us hints that the ways in which we live now impact the, what we receive in, in, in that day, that beautiful day to come. And so Jesus is, is talking about living in such a way that our purses are there that do not wear out. There's a treasure there. Our life is there where neither moth nor thief can destroy. There's one aspect, that's one aspect of how Jesus speaks of, of heaven in this way. But a second aspect connects with the phrase, maybe you've heard it, that person is so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Have you ever heard that? The promise of heaven is, is not something that we so focus on that it distracts us from doing God's work in the present. Instead, heaven right now, the realm we call heaven, is the place where God's will right now is fully done. It is the place where the kingdom, all of the kingdom's values, all of the presence of the kingdom, everything is right in the kingdom of heaven right now. The kingdom is in heaven, which is why in this life we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to in our praying and in our living to pray and live in such a way that some of what is real right now in heaven becomes real right now on earth. And in the praying of that prayer and in recognizing that there is treasure in heaven right now, instead of leading us to think only of what lies ahead, to know that our treasure is in heaven inspires us and as we are empowered by the Spirit to work for the kingdom here in this place. Treasure in heaven helps us to work here for God's purposes, to give witness for the kingdom of God, to work for peace, to work so that those who are hungry can be fed, to work for reconciliation in this place, in this time, on earth as it is in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It doesn't mean that our hearts are in some future way, some future place when we get to heaven. Our hearts are in heaven now, which means we live heavenly lives for God's kingdom with the lives we've been given, the earthly lives we've been given. Then in the rest of the passage, 35 through 39, Jesus gives us uh, two different angles, two different images, stories to think about his return when he will fully establish God's kingdom, when heaven and earth 
will be one. The first image is that of being prepared. He says, be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Be dressed for action, be ready, have your lamps lit. Uh, now, to my knowledge, this hasn't happened recently, but it happens fairly frequently. There is some preacher or someone who has determined that Jesus is going to come on this particular date. Never mind the fact that Jesus said he didn't even know when he was going to come. This person, these folks think that they can figure that out. And so there's preparation for that day. And then when the day is about to arrive, there's a gathering on a hillside somewhere or in a church where people simply wait for Jesus to come. And so far he hasn't come yet. And I don't think Jesus is saying this is what we do when he says be ready, be dressed for action, keep your lamps lit. It's not like we live inactive lives and simply stay in church or in prayer at some retreat center or some mountain all of the time, just waiting, waiting, waiting for him to come. Instead, this waiting is found in a lifestyle of witness and a lifestyle of work for God's kingdom. Jesus in the parable doesn't say that the the, the servants are sitting around uh, with the door open, just waiting, waiting, looking, looking, looking for the master to return. It's easy to look and play with the parable and think of them being about other business while they're waiting, but they're also prepared. They're listening for the knock, even as they go about other work that they have to do. And so to be watchful, to be waiting, to be ready is to be living our lives for Jesus right now. It is to be giving witness to his love. It is to be working for his kingdom, being generous with what we've been given, being good stewards of what we've been given so that God can take what we've been given and use it for kingdom purposes. Jesus is, is, is not calling us to just wait and do nothing. We are to be active in our waiting, doing his work. But also notice in verse 37, the tremendous, subtle, subversive witness he gives. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them, have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. What a tremendous prophetic role reversal in this passage. Imagine if, if you're one of the first hearers. And, and in your context, in your society, slavery is a normal thing. And, and it's, it's not the case where, where slave masters allow, uh, serve the ones that are in servitude to them. Jesus doesn't directly assault this cultural understanding of slavery, but he undermines it. He subversively offers a new way and he points to a new day. And eventually these passages and others come to be understand in history where Jesus is pointing us away from the evils of slavery. Of course, even today, slavery is among us in so many forms. And part of God's kingdom work, if our treasures are in heaven, we'll want to bring those treasures to bear now and bring life to people who suffer. It's an incredibly subversive thing that he says. Verse 38, if he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves, blessed are those servants. And so we are to be living that lifestyle of witness and of worship and of service, 
even as we are aware that one day Jesus will return to fully establish God's kingdom. But then in verses 39 and verse 40, Jesus switches the image. He says, know this, the owner of the house, if he had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. He would have been prepared. He would have been waiting. Jesus is not comparing himself to a thief. He's simply talking about timing. He's saying that if you know when this is going to happen, if you know when I'm going to come, then you can wait up to that last minute and then you can get ready and then you can be prepared. But he says, the son of man is coming at an unexpected hour. It's not like we wait to the last minute and then we get ready. Anybody do that with your annual physical or visit to the dentist? Am I the only one that does that? You know, you've got this date on the calendar and you don't take care of yourself all on the way, but, but when it gets close, you know, then you're working hard. That's not the way it is to be with the coming of Christ and the coming of his kingdom. We are to live faithful lives always. And in that lifestyle, we then become ready. The son of man is coming at an unexpected hour. Again, he's still talking in the the, the theme of possessions. Possessions are still a part of this. Trust is still a part of this. We trust God with what we've been given. We trust God to care for us, to provide for us so that we can then be generous. And part of that generosity leads to our work for the kingdom, but it's not just our possessions, but it's our time, it's our prayers, it's our very lives. To be watchful is to be a part of the work of God. And to be watchful is to trust that God can take our tiny lives, our small church, and God can do significant things in and through us now for the kingdom. Be not afraid, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, which also means to participate in God's wonderful kingdom work. Danielle Strickland is a Salvation Army pastor. Several years ago, she was stationed in Australia and she became aware that in Australia or in many places, uh, prostitution is legal. And so brothels were a regular part of a town in terms of an institution within that town. She received a call one day from uh, an elderly uh, good Australian Baptist woman. And, 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 uh, and this woman shared with Danielle that her and her husband's phone number, uh, back in the days of landlines, her and her f- husband's phone number was just uh, a number or two different from the local brothel. And so they were getting some interesting phone calls on a fairly regular basis. And, and so she, she got tired of it. And finally she decided to go to the phone company and she was going to get her phone number changed. And, uh, but while she was reading her Bible that morning, we talked about this in Sunday school, while she was reading her Bible, she was listening to a word from God and God communicated to her, spoke to her that no, she, she didn't need to change her number. Instead, she needed to think about ways in which she could minister, bless the people in that place. And so she called up Danielle and they gathered for coffee and she said, please tell me, I don't know what to do. I know I'm supposed to do something, but please help me figure it out. And so through the course of that conversation, as they talked about what she's good at and things she enjoys doing, um, she realized that what she needed to do was bake cupcakes. 
And so she baked a bunch of cupcakes and she went up to the door of this brothel and Danielle was behind her uh, praying for her and, and the person opened the door and this wasn't the normal clientele, this person standing at the front with, with cupcakes. And she was invited in and she gave everyone there cupcakes. And before the day was over, Danielle was on the phone with all of her fellow Salvation Army people all across the country. And Salvation Army folks were baking cupcakes by the end of that night. And they were, wherever they were, they were bringing cupcakes to these brothels. And lives were transformed. And people came to know Jesus. And people were blessed. And communities were changed. Cupcakes. Who would have thought? And yet that's what God can do when we take what we've been given, our possessions, whether they're material possessions or gifts that we've been given or talents. And God, if we give them into the hands of Jesus through the spirit, God can take them and, and use them to take what's in heaven now and bring a little bit of it to earth now. And people see Jesus and people realize how much Jesus loves them. And people give their lives to Jesus and the kingdom is furthered. Don't be afraid, sisters and brothers. Don't be afraid to be generous. Don't be afraid to be generous with your material things. Don't be afraid to be generous with your time, with your gifts. Because as you're giving them, you're, you're making these purses in heaven. You're, you're storing your treasure in heaven, but, but you're also bringing that treasure to bear in and through your life now. And God's work is done and God's will is done just a little bit more on earth as it is in heaven. Through you, through me, through us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.